This episode is brought to you by the generous patrons who supported us over at patreon.com slash inspiration point. So we want to give a big thank you to our patrons, Kate, Prostaskius, Leroy, Josh, Tiana, Fallon Gore, Spike, Chris, Logan, Punch and Potato, and Jen Solo. Thank you again for helping us to put a little more inspiration out into the world. And now, on to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another cartoonish episode of uh, Inspiration Point. I'm Andrew. I'm trying to think of a good voice. And I'm Adam. And and I'm Adam, the friendly old bear. Uh, I'll come in again. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another uh, sinister episode of Inspiration Point. I'm Zorak. And I am death. I am entropy. I am dark side. Ooh. Uh, welcome back to another <laughs> uh, precious episode of Inspiration Point. Uh, I'm Smeagol. Uh, <laughs> call him. Call him. <laughs> I think you broke me on that one. Um, and it is I, King George. Uh, King George. That's right. I am so happy to see you. Oh, I am my lovely subjects. Uh, such as myself, uh, Nigel Thornbury, and Thornbury. <laughs> Here to take you uh, through the jungles. And it is I, Alan Rickman, here (laughs) to greet you to Inspiration Point. Hello, I am Alan Rickman's answering machine. (laughs) I also sound like Alan Rickman. Hello. <laughs> this is all we're going to do tonight. We're just. <laughs> I hope it, not. It's just going to be categorically, by definition, faffing about. Faffing about. Oh, man. I, you, you know, that, uh, that'd be fine for me. I, uh, that, you know, oh, I knew that, it'd be fine for it'd you. Be- <laughs> it'd be fine for you. I think there's only so much Andrew shenanigans any of us can truly take. Um, that, I mean, that I have is, a, that I have is a, called I, the individual's total uh, Andrew threshold. Hmm. The ITT? No, IITT. I. I ate and you. that is it. It. How you doing, man? <laughs> uh good. Good. Um it has been a good week or two in the gaming universe. Ooh, why? 
there have been insp- there's been inspiration there's been epiphany there has been victory mm. in many ways many nothing, ways not just nothing one. perfect but progress like baby steps progress or like one giant leap progress or or uh, two steps forward one step back progress i would say a bold and yet modest stride bold yet modest yes that it sounds tentative yeah it was with intention ah ah intent is very important indeed indeed um things are are good and i feel like i've leveled up in my ability to interact with this with this um medium how so well we'll kind of get into it huh but i would just say i've been able to find kind of some big wins this week with all my different games mm, um just- that i'm involved with it either be that with the individual players themselves with the design of the game and systems or with being able to hit people emotionally Oh, okay. So, so we are, we are talking specifically in the pen and paper space. Yeah, for sure. You You're know, still like, getting trounced in Elden Ring. Of course. Cause I keep starting <laughs> over. Um, like it, it, the, my latest thing has been, let's try to master parrying. Mm. Um, How's that which going? has been, well, man, when you get it, <laughs> it's so good. Like I had a boss that I parried several times in a row and that felt really nice. And now I'm fighting a boss that I'm pretty sure is not parryable. I'm sure there's at least one. There's probably. Yeah. I mean, it's not one one of the good things about the game is that you um, you can't usually you can't pick one strategy and always win, even if it usually wins. Right. Right. Like usually the the game very much wants you to have a variety of tools in your belt and to be able to access them. You know, they they do this essentially by linking all of your custom play stuff like the Ashes of War to um, to the weapons themselves. Right. And so you're meant to switch between them and use them. That's why the buttons are there for that exact thing. Yep. And that's just really interesting design that I had difficulty kind of picking up in the beginning. But it kind of goes into what the topic is end up going to be about. Hmm. But before we get to that, I want to return the question and ask how you've been. Oh, I've been good. I've been... Uh you know, from a from a day to day standpoint, I've just been writing. But um, in my downtime, you know, I always make sure to take breaks and uh, let my brain breathe a bit. And uh, so I've been plowing ahead on Elden Ring as well. And um, un- unlike you, I tend you are the kind of person where when it comes to RPGs, especially you like to start over and start over and start over and try new things that way. I do. Yeah. For me, I'm the exact opposite where like I will make something 
and play the bejesus out of it until it is it has just been wrung dry like a like a <laughs> washcloth, right? You just like you can essentially it can like do everything now. And I'm trying to to get to that place. I I don't intend on getting my my character quite to that place where it's literally like 99 in every stat across the board. I think, well, there'd be no point to it anyway. Right. I, I think to do that, like the max level is like 768 or some. Well, and then your stats have like a soft cap at like 40 and then like another cap, like a harder cap at like 60. Yeah. There's a few. And so like, and, and they vary between each other. So like getting, a hundred in a stat is basically like diminishing returns quite yes. dramatically. Yeah. It's not nothing, but it's not you're, worth your time. You're, I would you're say. encouraged to put your points elsewhere before you go back to that. It's, it's basically like, right. Hey, if you get some more, you know, if you have just hundreds of thousands of runes, just sitting around and you, you know, you want to pump some levels in and you've, done all the things that are very impactful then it's like you know you can just start sprinkling them around but i just got to a boss that uh is an unskippable like it's not an optional boss you you will it's like a main story boss it is a main story boss um right and Oh man, it is running me up the wall. Like I, I've even uh, checked the wiki and looked at you know how how people have how been people going this. about tackling it. And these, it's called the Godskin Duo, and it is literally well, we we don't want to spoil anything. Uh, well, oh man, it's they well. Anyway, that's what they're called, and they've been kicking also, me around the floor. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's freaking brutal. And mm. you know, if you thought fighting one thing at a time was hard, <laughs> fight two. Yeah, I I, st- I stumbled into a place where I had two bosses to fight, and Oof. they were both like immune to physical damage. So oh, that was man. cool. Yeah, good times. Good times. <laughs> Just, you know, getting the floor wiped with your Um, own face. So, yeah, but, you know, uh, I don't want to spend too much time talking about Elden Ring because we did spend the whole episode going over it. But we do find a lot of inspiration in that game and we're we're deeply enjoying it. Uh, Also, I I might ask for you to assist me on one uh, boss as we get off. Mm. Um, I I, because I may have can do that. All right, that would be great. In the meantime, um, um, other than that, the uh, last pen and paper thing that I did was you ran last night. That's um, right. And I got to hop back into the tiny shoes of old Lanzevere Nevermind. Um, so that was fun. And we went through your... Uh, you're having us go through these sort of uh, sort of a, a shaman 
a shaman's ritual sort of fever dream kind of thing where um, we kind of go into a spirit realm and encounter uh, beings that are reflections of certain aspects of our own characters. And we try to not only beat them through standard combat, but also kind of understand what their underlying issue is or, you know, what that says about us, our own characters and how our characters can learn from those things. And uh, we got through two, uh, two folks in the party and we are well into a third so uh of Airs will come up next time. I'm sure I was just uh, trying to let the other folks have their time in the sun for a bit. And uh, so, yeah, that was fun. We got to, um, there were some tone shifts. Um, it's That's st- true. It started um, pretty serious, but it got wrapped pretty soon. And then the person who followed... Uh, was also on a more serious note, but then, very heavy. Yeah. yeah the, uh, and then the, the third um, character that we rolled with who uh, was played by uh, Leroy, who is mentioned at the beginning of this episode. Um, his, his character, we had, we had some fun with that. He, uh, he got into a high-stakes game of blackjack with an Empyrean, which is essentially like a, a god or an extreme A celestial giant. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's it's everything is supposed to be, like you said, reflective of kind of your shadow, kind of mm-hmm. borrowing from Persona 4 here a little bit, which one of our players who's a big fan of those games was able to pick on immediately mm. and almost almost verbatim deliver the expected lines um mm. which was really cool i'm sure it was really fun for him to be able to engage with the game in that way good um you know ultimately when it comes to storytelling we are forcing our heroes to face their shadows mm. and in this case it's a little bit more on the nose you might say cuz we're trying to address those flaws on the character sheet or the ones that um, we've developed or noticed over time. And and this is a difficult thing to try to do at the beginning when you don't really know the players and they don't know each other. Like they all have to yeah. be able to sort of recognize these things in each other. Mm. Uh, but the problems individually are only um, solvable by the individual that we're testing. Right. The others can help. They can assist. They can give advice, but it has to be carried out. It has to, they have to say the right words, right. Or surprise me with words I didn't expect. Oh yeah. And I, and of course I have to be open to that. Incidentally, uh, related to that. I know, you know, anyone listening to this, you know, is probably dipping their toe into, tabletop RPGs, if not, you know, you're swimming in the deep end. Um, I don't know how many folks listen to the show that are listening more for the storytelling angle or uh, that sort of thing. But um, that also that sort of thinking you're talking about also uh, 
applies well to riddles. It for anyone who is uh, trying to write their own puzzles or riddles, um, doing that kind of thing can be really tricky. So yeah. something good to consider, just like what you're saying, is if you try writing your own riddle or your own puzzle and a player presents you with an answer that is not what you thought up, but works and functions, that's your answer now. Yeah. Oh, you're a genius. You got it right. You're a genius. You got it. Right. Because that's a great answer. Yeah. And I totally agree with that. It also helps keep things moving. Um, Oh, yeah. I was watching some of my students run their own table today. And one of them had a like the GM had like a rigid idea of everything that was supposed to happen and what the players were supposed to do with the resources they were given. And to be fair, that's a pretty that's a that's a pretty common thing, especially yeah, for I new GMs, for sure. I, and I'm certainly not saying this to disparage oh, him no, 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 because, no. you know, we've all we were it. we've all done it. All yeah. of us have done it. You know, maybe even recently. Sure. It's like, yeah, we all still do it probably. <laughs> you know, we all screw up, yeah. right? Um, and it was a screw up. But I could tell the players were irritated. And mm. and that he was getting irritated in return. Of course. Because they were offering ideas and he was just basically shooting them down or further disparaging the idea mm. to, like, that's so dumb. Like, why would you even think of that? Mm. And it's like rookie rookie error, right? Well, but, when when that when that frustration starts coming into it, like as the GM, you're sitting there and you so badly want the players to have this eureka moment and go, oh man, that's so great, or oh, you know, it, I I got it, light bulb, and you know, you have that moment of revelation, and the what what your player or your your students are running into is the exact opposite of that and they're just banging their heads against a brick wall and the gm is getting just as frustrated if not perhaps even more frustrated than the players themselves cuz they you know you always have this image in your head of how the thing's going to go right and then yeah. you throw the puzzle out there and yeah, you know, it just falls flat and that, that and is, you, a you want, you want it to be solved. Yep. But what you, what you don't want to do is punish players for engaging. Definitely right? not. And so, because one of the incentives that we want to create is for them to indeed engage and to not check out. Right. And, yep. and it's easy to do when you're waiting your turn, right. Very. Particularly when you're online and nobody can see that you've all tabbed over. Right. Yeah. And, and maybe you can balance both. And if you can, great. But like, we definitely want to make sure people are emotionally bought in. And for our patron game, I would say the best thing about it is that everyone there is bought in. They, yes. they're all invested. And so when I, when I drop a beat, they're listening to it mm. and that feels really good. That feels good for them. That feels good for me. Um, and as a result, we're that reward um, kind of where it, it bounces back and forth, right? It creates like 
a, a feedback loop, a positive feedback loop. Can you elaborate on that? I will, because it's the main topic. Ooh, so, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, buckle up, because here we go. Yes. What so do you got I wanna, for us? I want to talk about rewards, and um, I know we've chatted a bit about rewards in the past, uh, but I want to get into sort of tangible and intangible, as well as this sort of positive feedback loop. I'm kind of surprised that we actually haven't done, like, rewards and reward systems. I know it already. is strange. I was, I was like, I'm sure we did it. And I'm like flipping through our old episodes. I'm like, I don't see a title. I, I'm sure we've brought it up. I'm sure we've talked about various kinds of rewards. Right. But I don't know if we've had an explicit episode, but all right, well, let's make up for some lost time. But let's, let's do it. So, okay. So uh, full disclaimer, I was sort of inspired to think about this more because Matt Coville dropped a video about this like a week or two ago. Cool. And he was talking about using rewards as incentives. And I was, I was so motivated by that. I actually made it my first lesson in my new class. Oh, um, and you know, creating incentives, um, through rewards, right. In order to cultivate a certain player behavior, and it's and it's true for uh, teaching students as well. It's also true for teaching your own children or anyone you kind of work with. Anybody that we interact with, we interact with them in certain ways, and we reward and punish and react to various behaviors that they exhibit. Oftentimes, and, without even thinking about it, too, which is interesting. So, you ever like had that person that's like talking to you? And you just could not be less interested. And you're like, that's crazy. That's crazy. No, you know, you're, that's you're, I'm the person that that gets said to. <laughs> that's true. You um, <laughs> you have that experience all the time because you talk to me frequently. <laughs> it's not that bad. Oh, um, thanks. It's <laughs> there's but there's definitely sometimes. We're like, I don't like on the Easy. one hand, I want to, I want to be polite. <laughs> Not with you. Uh, there are times where I want to be polite. Yes. And listen, but I also don't want to give the idea that I'm actually interested in this conversation. And so mm. that's a really awkward situation. Um, I also used to watch Dog Whisperer back in the day with my oh, wife. You remember he, Dog Whisperer? What's his name? Uh, Cesar Milan. Cesar Milan. That's right. That's yeah, right. Cesar. He was he was really good. He was really interesting. And I remember South Park did a sort of a parody on it. Oh yeah, where uh, Cartman's mom like finally <laughs> trained him by yeah. using everything she learned from the Dog Whisperer. And I was like, man, <laughs> I know it's a joke, but there's a lot of truth in here. Yep. Um, yeah. So one of the things that he would he realized that a lot of uh, owners would do is when a dog would act up, they would try to have, like coax it away from that behavior like a child. Mm. And, and to be like, no, sweetie, don't do that. No, 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 no. Stop, stop, stop. Right. That's not good. Right. Well, a dog doesn't know English. <laughs> so. Wait, what? <laughs> Hold the phone. All the dog knows is it got picked up, was spoken to in, in you know, soft tones, and was 
stroked and kissed, right? Like that's all it knows. It got, and it thinks it got positive feedback. It thinks it got positive feedback. Yep. And like, you know, Cesar wasn't about like punching your dog. Obviously that would get very different results. Oh, see, Um, I've been doing it wrong this whole time, but he would do these redirects. And incidentally, that's actually stuff they teach you as a teacher. That's stuff they taught me as, as, uh, (laughs) about my child. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You don't want to like play into the game. You don't need to answer every question explicitly. You can redirect. That is so freaking that is a hard habit for me to break. I want to explain and talk. I know everything. And oh, it it's that is a really being good at that redirect is and is an honest to goodness skill that takes a yeah. serious amount of practice for sure. It's hard. Yeah. And if you're ever debating with someone, they're going to what's a popular technique is to like pepper someone with questions mm. and you, and what your instinct to do is to go through and answer them. Right. Mm. But you don't really want to do that. You want to, you want to be the one that drives that discussion. Hmm. And so you, you pick your poison essentially and you go with that or you just start another topic, right? Or you build on what they're saying. Um, either way, there's, there's, there's ways to redirect as opposed to like punishing and rewarding, but we also do punishments and rewards all the time. Sure. If, if that guy's talking to me and I say, Oh wow, that's really cool. Uh, and then I ask a question about that. That's a reward. I'm saying, hey, tell me more about that. I'm rewarding you for this behavior. I like talking to you. Please Um, give me more of what you've given me already. When I'm sort of passive aggressively trying to get rid of this person, that's negative feedback. I'm saying, please don't engage with me in this way, Um, which seems harsh. But sometimes that's what we need. And in D&D, we and other role playing games, we do this stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, and I think I've told this story before, but when I was like first starting out as a DM, um, I had, I, it was like maybe my second game. I was like still in high school or just right out of high school, one or the other. And I went to a game store and I ran a game and 13 people showed up and I ran for all of them. So that was mistake. Number one, uh, mistake. Number two was we got around to the rogues turn and the rogue did the classic go off and cause chaos. Yep. Not wanting to be a sort of shutdown DM and let him. to, I let him. Yep. And that led to yep. more chaos because since I was uh, indulging it, yep. the, the feedback is keep doing this. And then eventually I was like, man, I'm really tired of this. And the natural consequences of his actions did catch up. He fell out of the window and died. Yep. And um, then we were able to move on. Yeah. And one thing that I've really learned from Elden Ring. <laughs> hey, it's good. Sometimes a game is better when you are taught what not to do. Mm. Um. So I I don't mean to say you should infantilize your players, right? I don't mean to say you should condescend to them, but I 
I am saying sometimes we accidentally get the kind of gameplay we don't want mm. and we don't get the engagement we do. Mm. And we wonder why this has happened. And usually we can look right at ourselves mm. as GMs and say, because I rewarded this, I told them to keep doing it. And because when the thing I did want happened, I didn't reward it enough. The feedback that was received was this is not important. Mm. For instance, let's say you are running a game and you really want role play. You want like 50, 50 role play to combat. Sure. And you're, and you're awarding XP. So if I want 50, 50, I should probably be rewarding just as much XP for the role play experience. Right. Right. But if I'm going, here's a little bit of crumbs or here's a little bit of icing on top of the cake and the cake is the majority of the monster killing XP, then what is the message that role playing is secondary? Mm. But it's not just about that because maybe I'm rewarding through other ways through what I would say are intangibles. Now, of course, everything in these games are intangible, but our characters, you know, can hold magic items, right? Well, I mean, I, I know, um, it, you know, what, what you're saying is yes, that is generally the case. Although there are a lot of, uh, GMs like, like spike, um, who like to use props a lot of times. So sometimes you actually can have tangibles, like literal tangible uh, rewards, depending on how creative you as a GM might be. Sure. But what I'm trying to make a distinction between two categories, that being like an explicit thing, like gold XP treasure. Yes. Gotcha. Versus, versus less explicit things. Maybe, I don't want to say implicit, but it's it's a reward, but not in a way that like adds something to your character sheet, like right? a character like, development moment or correct, you know, yeah, or in it you make friends with an NPC or right, you you know discover something like these are rewards as well, um, even if they're not points. Gotcha. Right? Does that make sense? That makes a lot so, of sense. So I'm calling it tangible and intangible unless you or someone else can think of a better name. Um, nope, we'll go with it. <laughs> just nope. <laughs> just right it's, away. It We're works. Go with that. It works. I'm sure so, I'll come up with something else later in the middle of everything when it's uh, past relevance. <laughs> so I sat down with my, with my uh, high schoolers uh, who are in the, the D and D club mm-hmm. and they were like, we want another campaign this like we really like what you do and what you bring us but we also want something a little bit different man and they really we, know how to get you they they do they know well flattery frankly yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's really all it takes so they they buttered me up and they said please run again and then i said okay well let's talk about what kind of gameplay you're looking for Ooh, setting some expectations, yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Something we talked about early, early on in this show's That's right. history. It's important. And I wanted to get their ideas. I also wanted to share what I was interested in. Because 
I didn't want to just do that democratically, right? If everybody sat there and said, I want to go to the domain of dread, I would have just said no. Mm. Uh, you know, because I'm just not personally interested in that right now. Sure. And and I might be at some point, but right not right now. So I said, here's a couple of things I'm interested in. What do you think? And after some back and forth sharing, we basically came up with Monster Hunter meets Demon Slayer meets um, base building. Hmm. Right. That's fun. So, yeah, it's really cool. So they have this like hunter's village. They're part of a hunter's guild. They're starting out with very little. Their main goals are to go out into the wilderness, hunt monsters, chop up their bodies, bring back the good stuff. Have have any of your players or or you, for that matter, heard of a board game called Kingdom Death Monster? No, but I'm pretty much sold by title alone. It's it's like <laughs> it's got Kingdom Death Monster Kingdom Death colon monster um it's interesting it's super super dark um and i mean you're talking like it's a huge box um and it's got this kind of almost uh dark souls kind of it's like think heavy extreme gothic horror like you wouldn't show your kids the art in these books kind of dark um and you are you start out as adventurers who literally have almost nothing it's it's like a almost like a naked and afraid sort of like you are like caveman with spear vulnerable and as you go through the game it's this big kind of growing game sort of like gloomhaven and stuff where um it's got this legacy vibe to it where you're constantly building up and you start out building this small camp. And as you progress, you're adding things like NPCs or structures and things to the camp, but it's also beset by these like sometimes hideous or really disturbing monsters some of them are freaking huge too like the game comes with these minis that will like dominate your tabletop so incidentally some of the the minis are in quotes because they're huge oh yeah (laughs) like it's freaking crazy but you that sounds cool you do have this progression um where you are hunting monsters you're establishing this base and it's it's got these really really dark creepy vibes like um it it sounds at least similar to what you're going for although i i imagine you leaning more in the fantasy action adventure direction and less in the um dark creepy uh you know mess with your brain or you know really like disturbing kind of stuff yeah 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 yeah, we're we're definitely doing more of a sort of Eastern fantasy vibe. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Mixed with like some cave punk elements. So everything's very much like made from stuff you found. Right. Cave and, punk. Yeah, cave punk, right? Like Far Cry stone, primal, sort of very primal. Yeah. Right? Okay. But we then totally go back on that because there's still steel, right? Yeah. 
because so it's it's cavemen samurais hunting monsters. <laughs> awesome. Okay. It, it's nuts, right? It, you're right. But it's, <laughs> but it's very colorful. And yes. uh, we're we're really getting into that. And the characters are well reflected by the world that they're in. Um, and that's really great. That and is. so I've been, it's, it, the game was essentially built around the reward system kind of being the first idea. Okay. And, and I thought that was kind of cool, right? Because what we're talking about is, is gameplay features, right. essentially. Right. And so what are, what do we want them to do? Well, number one, we want to go hunting big monsters. Most of the time, the monsters are not really going to present us with a lot of moral dilemmas where we want to go fight a monster make and use its body to essentially improve the economy. Mm-hmm. So we, we lug back that stuff. The cart only holds so much weight. So you have to upgrade the cart at some point. Right. Right. Everything in the town needs to be upgraded. You go back in there. Not every shop is open yet. No, not all the workers are there yet. Uh, but you have like your Smith and like the guild master in and in, and that's pretty much it. Right. right. And so that way we slowly introduce uh, our NPCs and we don't overwhelm with information. And then what is cool is that the players get to make decisions and help kind of run that show. And they start making decisions that lead to new shops being open. Mm. So I gave them like a simple follower to begin the uh, campaign to kind of help provide some exposition and to help sort of drive things. And so they liked him so much that they wanted to improve him, uh, Ah. which was a thing I hadn't really thought of. And so I thought, okay, well, let's let's give the NPCs levels, but not in terms of like, you know, strength, dexterity. Right. Let's let's say, okay, he's a level one follower. What do you want him to do? Well, we want him to be the town potion guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. We want him to be the, the apothecary. That is, okay. is that code for the town drunk. Essentially, town he doesn't know a lot. Potion guy. Well, <laughs> after a couple of weeks of training, <laughs> he opens up his shop and they're like, oh, what kind of potions do you have here? He's like, well, I got um, a potion of healing. And. Uh, yep. <laughs> and they're like, what? That's all, you know, look, I, I, I studied for two weeks. This is all I got. <laughs> what do you I don't even know how it works. Like, really, he's more of a bartender, right? Like, totally. He's just, he knows the recipe. He doesn't know why it works. Um, and so he needs more training. He needs upgrades. He needs investment. And this is something cool that we can do with gold. Therefore, totally. gold is more of a reward. There you right? go. And when they get upgraded, they can do things like the Smith can produce greater rarity of items in the beginning. She can only do, uh, up to rare, mm. but after her shop is improved, she can do very rare and eventually a legendary and then she'll also get other perks along the way. Nice. Um, and so that's cool. The innkeeper can only provide up to like comfortable 
mm. or modest uh, accommodation lifestyle type stuff uh, in the beginning. But after some upgrades, he can eventually do wealthy and, and then aristocratic as well as Ooh. other things. Resting in nice accommodations gives them bonuses. Um, there you go. So now spending money on a nice meal and a nice sleep, you know, has something to do and they get to personally invest into it. Whatever they down a monster, some of the money goes everywhere. So there's always progress being made. But they can always take their share and invest it where they want it to go. Right. And so they can speed up certain places. That means some NPCs are going to get more attention than others, which is great. Not a problem. Totally. It, it almost right? has kind of a uh, almost sort of like a like a Farmville sort of vibe where like you're making a couple oh, different yeah. structures and it's like, you know, you could pay a little cash money to speed these ones up if you want <laughs> but you know your mom said if you put more than $15 on my credit card I am going to put you on the street so you're like oh I can't upgrade all of them right just so this is this is where we come to the difference between the tangibles and intangibles ah. because we don't want our game to just become about moving numbers around right like this is supposed to be about hunting monsters, not accounting. Well, but I do have a couple of players <laughs> that really like that management aspect. Oh, yeah. And some that don't care about it. I mean, right? management sims are a straight up genre of games. There is a definite kind of player, and there are lots of them who totally do dig that oh, yeah. There's sort like of factory thing. simulators oh, yeah. and, and stuff like that. And I mean, heck, one the, of them is literally called Satisfactory because it just feels that <laughs> freaking good. I mean, that, that's right. Incidentally, that's a great name for a game, by the way. Right. It's like when you're playing StarCraft, so you think you're going to play a game about Starship Warfare and <laughs> you, then you realize it's not. 90% about resource management. <laughs> you're going to go play like, EVE Online and. You realize then, that it's just about Excel. You have one battle and the game's over. <laughs> um, so it's like, yeah, it's kind of funny. But um, well, we do like that kind of thing. But we need to add that intangible, we, what we would call the secret sauce at that point. Mm. So now what I've done is I've borrowed the piety system from Theros. And if, if anyone who doesn't know what the piety system basically it gives you points with gods whenever you honor them and i've taken that system and i've put it on the townies the npc townies mm. so when so it takes the smith time to make like animal bones into like plus one swords right so they get to do downtime activities um, in the DMG and Xanathars. But while they're doing that downtime activity, they spend time with specific NPCs that gets them points mm. with that NPC. When they hit certain thresholds, not only are they going to get some kind of perk, but they're also, but the NPC is also going to um, start sharing with them more personally mm. to start going to start developing that relationship with them and sharing the things that they're, um, vulnerable about. Yeah. Which are going to, going to unlock more quests, which is going to unlock more rewards, which is going to unlock more, 
um, interaction and social buildup and story, which is going to end up in, oh, crap, we're out of weeks because this game will probably not end on time. Yep. (laughs) So how it that's how it goes. So we got to remember both of those things. And of course, if the players don't care about it, they're going to stop doing it. Right. And so the feedback for me is, well, I'm going to put my efforts as a GM somewhere else. Yeah. Right. Maybe I can make the next fight a little bit more interesting because that's the thing that they're kind of into. Right. But if they if they do all of this management stuff that I want them to do and then I don't give them anything interesting, I just say, okay, you get a 10 percent discount. Good job. Yeah. You know, they're going to be like, you know, can we just skip town phase next time? Yeah. Can we just we go to sleep. Right. And Whatever. It becomes pretty clear that you aren't into it yeah. either. And that, you know, if if your GM isn't feeling something, whether or not you are, that it will impact things. Oop, did I lose you? No, sorry. Revan was shouting in the other room. That's okay. Um, um, so anyway... What was I going to say? Uh, I got, I lost my train of thought. So anyway, yeah. So I had a different, it, uh, by the way, this game is going really, really well. Great. Um, they're really into it. They're starting to really like the NPCs. I'm laying on their personalities like super thick. Nice. So that they're kind of fun and colorful. And so they're like just falling in love with these guys. Good. And it and they want to engage with them. And they're like, oh, yeah, I guess we should hunt the monster. Right. So then I got to do something interesting with the monster. So then it doesn't become not about that because we want to fight stuff. I told them all to build characters that were good at that. Right. Right. So we want to make sure that that both of those things happen so far. It's going great. Nice. Getting a lot of good feedback from that. Also getting a lot of good feedback from the rewards provided in um, the patron game. Nice. Um, as people are getting, are, are able to experience those sort of emotional moments because of the buy-in that they're experiencing, because they've learned that when they emotionally give something or share information with me, that I will use it. Nice. Cause we, you know, if you ask for the backstory and then you never read it, you're not going to get another backstory, right? right? You're, there's there's no point. And so we want the, the GM to show that so that they know that we're they're listening to us. Right. And then that conversation becomes two way. Right. And we start to reward each other over and over and over again. And that creates that positive feedback loop. That's awesome. Right. It's almost like the secret ingredient is love. It's almost. Almost, almost there. Almost. Now, on the other hand, sometimes you have to make things a little bit uncomfortable. So in my Sunday gig, um, I noticed that they were kind of checking out. Mm. They were kind of like distracted or unwilling to participate, you know. And then I asked one of them to like make a perception check or something like that. And then they were like, how do I do that? Oh. And I said, what do you mean? 
<laughs> like, how long have we been doing this? Right. Like, I feel like you know how to do it and just want me to go through the song and dance. Right. Yeah. As like a control thing or something. I don't know what is going on. But if you really don't know how to do that after all this time, what are we doing here? Yeah. And and I stopped the game. I put it, I put it on pause. I said, look, this is a great gig. And I really like you kids. Actually. I love being here. I love spending time with you. I love watching you grow and learn. And I'd be really sad to not come here and do this anymore. Right. But if I'm not teaching you, then I'm wasting your time. Right. So while I'd be sad, I'm going to stop coming. And that would be a great shame. Mm -hmm. But if you don't want this, this is supposed to be fun. Yep. And, and you know, for what it's worth, you got other stuff you could be doing with your time too. Absolutely. I do appreciate the money, but I can also, yeah, I can play Elden Ring. Yep. (laughs) Yep. You You sure can. I can work. I'm working on a board game. I can work on that. Um, I'm, I've always have D and D prep. I could do. Yep. Um, lots to do lots to do, but I was really sincere with them. And, you know, I, I kind of just broke the character for a moment because mm-hmm. I try to be as Bob Ross with them as I can. Oh, be. totally. And cause I enjoy being that kind of person, but sometimes you got to stop and have a serious conversation. And I said, I brought out the social contract and I said, do you still want to do this? Yeah. And after a little bit of discussion, they said, yeah, we really want to do it. We screwed up. We're sorry. Mm. And I said, as soon as you know how to make this check, we can move on. Mm. But I'm not telling you anything else anymore. And they're like, how do I find out? I'm like, open the book. When we want to find a word, in a book, where do we look? And one kid's like, in the index. Correct. Very good. Okay, go find that. And after, and it took a few minutes. Mm. And after a few minutes, they were able to figure out stuff. And then we got back to the game. And then the game started going really well. Wow. It started really driving quickly because now they had personally put in the time and effort to learn a thing. Mm. And because they knew that there was something at stake and they decided, you know what? We like this guy. He's nice to us. Mm. He brings all this fun stuff for us to do and we could lose this. Yep. Well, you, you gave them an incentive. I did. And apparently I had been, and I learned something about what I was doing. I had been rewarding them for not learning the rules Mm. because when they would ask me, how do I do a thing? I would tell them. Ah, and that's okay. A couple of times they, but after a while Mm. you should stop doing that. Yeah. Because they started going, okay, when we need to know something, we don't need to know. We just need to ask him. Yes. We don't need to ever look anything up. We have these books because they look pretty. Yep. 
you know, and, and that's not good enough. And if it's not good enough for you, then don't let it be good enough for you. Mm. Because you deserve a reward too. You spent all this time prepping for a game. Mm-hmm. And if you're not getting what you want, then you gotta, you gotta say, you gotta say something. Right. And, you know, you did that with us when you were like, guys, I am trying to get a certain kind of feedback with this Strahd game. Mm. And I feel like you guys are trying to power game it. Yeah. That's not, that's not what this is. And if we can't do this, then let's stop. Mm. And then we had to reevaluate and say, maybe this is what we want. Mm -hmm. Therefore we should do something differently. Right. And you're really good at letting us know that we've made you happy. Mm. And that's another really important thing. Mm. Right. Yeah. When we show that fear, when we react to the, the scariness in that world, you let us know that you're happy. Right. And like, so usually it results in inspiration points or just a compliment. Oh yeah. You know, or something, right? Like little things like that. They all, they all really add up to help cultivate the experience that we're going for. Correct. But in our efforts to get along and to entertain, sometimes we do ourselves some serious disservices. And usually it's, it's all with the best of intentions too. Oh, right? of course. You know, it, in fact, it's those good intentions that are hurting you. Right. You know, the, the, <laughs> you know? the road to hell, right. Cause the dogs are barking and you're coaxing them with soft words. Yep. And so when that happens to just keep barking, or they decide that barking is the preferred behavior. Mm. So they're going to keep doing it. And again, this isn't just good, bad, right? This is, I really want my players to hunt monsters, mm-hmm. but I only reward them a little bit for doing that. And I reward them a whole lot for going dungeon exploring. Mm. Hmm. Which one should I do now? This this all makes me actually think as well, um, because a lot of this has been kind of aimed at at GMs who maybe have been at this for a while or are thinking, you know, oh, you know, I've been rewarding this instead of that or something to that effect. But I can also imagine especially for new GMs that it's very likely that especially a lot of young or new GMs hadn't even considered that this exists at all. That step one, identify the kind of experience that you want to have at the table. That's your setting expectations phase. But then using reward systems, it doesn't have to be just one, by the way. You can have multiple ways. You should. Yes, in fact, you should. Um, You know, for the new or young GMs out there, think about reward systems. They are a thing. They are one of the, if not the best way to try to get what you want at the table and to also help your players 
get what they want because you will, once that's in place, once you have the reward system for what you want it to do and the players not only understand what the reward system is, but why it's there and what that loop is. I, I see that there's a thing. I do the thing. I get this for the thing. And I take that thing that I got and put it right back into the front. So then it just goes in a big old circle. Um, (laughs) That's right. And and I'm sitting here. My rewards are helping my other rewards. Yep. And that's, that is a good system. So that's why it's a system, a reward system and not just list. Right. Right. Having said that, let's 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 list some rewards. Sure. <laughs> um, because that'll be easy. So let's start with the tangible stuff, right? The the sort of points we are we award. So I'll let you kind of drive this a little bit, but what are some you can think of? Oh well those I mean we can blast through those pretty quick because I mean Absolutely. most everybody's thinking about these two. You're talking XP, yes. you're talking monetary in game rewards you know whether it be gold or dollars or what have you some form of money anything like that um absolutely also you've got really any kind of points any anything that can be tracked like that you know it could be points with factions and reputation or you know maybe you have crafting systems on the side it might be uh, building Crafting, up yeah. certain items or, you know, any stuff that you can have or uh, things you can track on your sheet like levels or um, I know that you've mentioned that in a game or two that you've been running, uh, some of the players really like pets. So you yes. basically throw them a Pikachu Um you know, a- anything, anything where you can kind of get your hands on it. Um, also, if you're looking at bigger tangibles, uh, I know in in one of our episodes, you mentioned um, like stuff like having a keep that they can, yep. um, you know, that gets into like base building. So yep. physical structures that impact the world that your game is existing in um, yes things like that just to name right. a few right just to name a few and there's there's innumerable ones uh, right. i did mention the piety system yes before that's a good one uh the dmg has uh the two alternate ability scores um honor and sanity mm-hmm. um that can have interesting perks when you get them to certain levels um you can, of course, use various kinds of magic items uh, or even mundane items can be great rewards. Mundane uh, items can can, in fact, be even more impactful if you're playing in a low magic setting. Um, yes, because if if there aren't magic items or if there are very few magic items floating around, you know, maybe a great sword is really hard to come by or yeah absolutely could be right are you doing greek fantasy like yeah a great sword or even a long sword right 
it is difficult to find because there's no steel, mm-hmm. right? And so everything's basically spears, um, short swords, and shields, yep. and I guess you know daggers and stuff. Um, but yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. And you know, anyone who's ever rolled up a fighter is trying to get that plate armor. Oh yeah, right. The thing is practically a magic item. Yeah. Um. So it's there's a lot to sort of play for. But money, I want to take just a moment to kind of examine further. Mm-hmm. What what you expect your players to spend money on is very important to know. Yep. Right. Because pretty soon the money they make is going to outstrip anything in most towns. Right. Yeah. So they'll they'll be able to, you know, have the very best food available pretty quickly. Yeah. Right. So they could pretty much retire after the first adventure, most likely. So, like, what do we do with all that? And the DMG kind of discourages the purchase of magic items. It doesn't outlaw it. Right. But it does. And some of those costs are incredibly prohibitive. Right. Yeah. And so it, it can be really hard to to get those or to or to create them, um, which is good. We want that. But then that raises the question, what else can I do with money? Well, sometimes all the only thing you want players to spend money on are magic items. So they're going to hold on to money for a long time mm. and they're going to save it up till they get the cool item that they want. Maybe you even put it in the shop window so that they know what they're playing for, which I would highly recommend. Oh, a Nimbus 2000. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They want to see that goal and reach that goal. And again, fighters have this built in. I want plate armor. Yep. Right. And so not everyone does, though. Not everyone has that sort of monetary. I need to buy the thing unless it's specifically provided. Right. Right. The, there should if there's a wizard in your party, make sure there's a way for him to get scrolls, right? Um, but let's say that's not what you want. You want their cool items to come from their experiences, from fighting monsters and digging up old treasure. Why would these items exist in this podunk town? That makes no sense. Right. Like, fair enough. Okay, so what's money doing? So in that case, we can do things like build a keep invest in the city, build a shop. We can build story things essentially that help drive kind of plot and character popularity. Money can really provide that because most of the time when we're rolling loot, people are like, yeah, 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 gold. Okay. Get to the magic items. (laughs) What do I get? Right. (laughs) You know, something just occurred to me that could be interesting um, because I, I know, you know, the whole shopping thing can, it can get pretty boring, you know, and if um, I, what would be interesting is having a system where it's instead of getting like literal, like coin by coin money, Maybe instead you could give out something like a um, like an investment point or something like that. And 
you could have a menu of things that you list that are like, um, like lifestyles, you know, like you mentioned before with the, uh, with the, uh, the, with, with the, the end. Yeah. We're not, we're not going to say, well, cheese costs two gold and wine costs three or whatever. Right. And, um, now form your meal. Like that's too much detail. Like we don't, right. unless that's literally what your game is about. And that is the reward system because eating specific meal combinations gives you magic buffs. Like we, we really don't want to think about that if that's not our focus. So right. let's not create that. So what, right. And that this is something I had to learn in our venture game mm. was to really dial back on that detail. Yeah. Cause it, it Cause can, it's easy to go down that rabbit hole, but then it's cumbersome to manage. Yes. It can overload you real fast. Um, which by the way is a reason why I really like Coville's book, strongholds and followers. Mm. Most of the prices to upgrade are like flat thousands amounts. And they're like obvious. It's like 1000, 2000, right. 4,000, 8,000. What does it give you this flat number? Yep. Right. There's no like nuanced science to it. It's just here's number. Enjoy. Yeah. Move on. Yeah. Right. And it's when I, when I was reading that, I was like, this kind of seems simplistic. And then I thought about it more and then I was like, no, I'm just an idiot. <laughs> it's like, Cause I was like breaking my brain, trying to make a cool sort of merchant system for your character. Mm-hmm. And all I was doing was assigning you homework and it was, it was just getting a slog for really bo- deep. <laughs> like, it was getting really deep and it was getting too deep because we we're like, well, what are we here to do? Right. Right. Is this, what is this story about? Is this what the story is about? Because if not, let's stop doing this. Yeah. Right. And so we started doing different things. We started using essentially the Xanathar's rules yeah. for, um, for downtime, which I highly recommend. Yeah. Um, Cause they're, they're really straightforward and easy to manage. But I, I did want to want to just throw out, it could be cool to reward your players something like an investment point that they could uh, similar to character points in other uh, in other games and use those where you can save them up or you can use them singly and you could say like, okay, if you, you can spend one investment point to, to say that your character is living a, uh, a modest lifestyle or you can spend yes. two and have them live a nice lifestyle for three months or whatever um, or things like that where you the points allow you to cover a wide degree of things and make some assumptions like uh, of course your character will be eating and drinking and sleeping somewhere you just you know, you don't need to go through the nitty gritty of that un- unless you want to. Um, right. I think in D20 modern, they gave you like a wealth stat mm-hmm. that was kind of, that was like kind of similar to what you're talking about, where you didn't really like spend dollar amounts on things as much as you made wealth checks. Right. I, I think and so uh, Chronicles of Darkness and uh, World of Darkness 
that uh, Chris Lee was running for us had something like that too, where you could right. like put points into how how much wealth you had access to. Yeah, or at least starting out, right. where it was like a big deal to put points into that because it could give you some serious perks. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So stuff like that is is totally fine too to kind of like. Uh, pass through. I was just thinking, man, you could just turn in money for platinum, <laughs> right? Because yeah. they're they're worth so much that they're practically just wealth points on their own, right? Um, but yeah, you could absolutely downsize that whole idea even further. So let's get in a little bit because we're starting to run out of time. But like, what can we do as intangible rewards? Uh, well. We mentioned this earlier, but we did character moments like RP stuff, having, uh, you know, bringing a character's backstory in for big, satisfying moments, Um, big set pieces or um, just even spotlighting a character in a particularly interesting situation. Um, You know, one one big thing that uh fifth ed put into the game that uh that wound up influencing the name of this show is the concept of the inspiration point that is a way of incentivizing role playing specifically at least as fifth ed puts it um playing to your character's flaws and making choices that are potentially suboptimal choices, but you're making them knowing that it could be detrimental to your character, but you're making that choice because it could be more interesting for the story. But right. in order to help kind of boost the uh, the incentive for that, they created the inspiration point to kind of help drive that home. So honestly, I think that the inspiration point is perhaps a um, both a tangible and intangible, uh, at least if you're going directly, you know, uh, by the the rules. Right. And so there can definitely be crossover. I mean, buying the keep in a way is kind of both, right? Like you're getting a story reward because there's now a physical thing that exists in the game world, but it doesn't pump any power into your stats. Right. Although that's not entirely true because even in the strongholds and followers book, you also get buffs for having these things. It depends on, on what on on the situation and the game and all that stuff. So, yeah, there's there's definitely ways to handle that, but certainly bringing in player backstory, letting them know that you read it yep. and thought about it. And I think that one thing that worked about last night was the fact that it w- it was more thoughtful, right? Yeah. I you could tell hopefully that I had at least attempted to really think about these characters in what they needed to sort of think about and overcome. Yes. Like I've been listening to you. So keep speaking. Definitely. Uh, What's another one? Um, Goodness. Intangibles. 
NPC relationships. Absolutely. That's a huge one. Yeah. Being it. Sometimes that, again, results into tangible things. Um, But a lot of times it's just when an NPC gives you a sincere thank you. Yep. This was a huge moment in the last patron game where our players had saved a couple of children who had been captured by a hag. Oh, Lord. And by the time they got there, the hag had already harmed them, essentially. Mm -hmm. But they were still alive. They were able to drive the hag away and rescue the children. And the children um, absolutely broke down. Mm -hmm. And they were so just in need of the heroes Mm. and they express their, their sort of desperation and their relief. And, you know, we brought, you know, players tears out and that's always a really huge reward is getting a real emotional reaction. Yeah. You know, and that, that comes from just that intangible reward, but the reward is this child loves you and relies on you. Mm. This child I made up, <laughs> right? And yet it has real impact, right? So now there's more stakes. There's more things to play for. There's more to to be invested in. Yeah. And the reward has been if you emotionally invest in the game, I will emotionally invest in you. Mm. And then we will continue that feedback loop. And really what it takes to appropriately reward someone in and without the game is to have empathy for them, Mm. to care about them. Dare I even say to try to love them. Mm. And if you do that, my friends, you will have the secret ingredient to your reward system. Yay. Yay. Definitely. Definitely. Definitely will. Well, I think that's the note to end on. I think so too. Um, Thank you everybody for hanging out with us. We really appreciate it. And uh, like we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, if you would like to come interact with us or, you know, if you just really like the show and want to help support the show so that we can keep doing this, um, head on over to patreon.com slash inspiration point and back us at any of the tiers we have there, including the top tier, which is 20 bucks a month that will let you get into a game with Adam power and ongoing campaign um definitely worth it i mean who doesn't want to shell out a few bucks so that a person they look up to can make them cry right you know (laughs) it's uh it's it's it is the quintessential dream so head on over to patreon.com slash inspiration point and pay adam to make you cry yes correct um Otherwise, you can check out our website over at inspirationpoint.buzzsprout.com. And when you're there, if you are on a desktop, there are three buttons in the upper right-hand corner. If you're on mobile, they'll be in the top center. And those will take you to our Facebook, Twitter, and Patreon, 
respectively. So all that having been said, our parting thoughts for the week, think about what you want out of your game. Think about what your players want out of your game. And incidentally, if you don't know, ask them. It usually is the best way to find out things. Um, And once you do, use reward systems and incentives to try to achieve the ideal game that you're looking for. And the most important thing there is the secret ingredient of love. Love the game, love your players, and love making people happy and just having fun together. So think about that. And until next time, stay inspired. Bye. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.